Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the show. Uh, today's guest we have on a metaphysical sister of mine, uh, the amazing and lovely Jen Jensen. Uh, Jen and I have known each other for a number of years and uh, just had amazing conversations over the years. But the special thing about today is this is the first time I've physically seen this woman in probably two years. So a uh, lot of love. Uh, we talk a lot about community. And I think that's one of the biggest things that both of us uh, want to focus on coming out of COVID is the importance of understanding what your community is, embracing that community and, and helping it thrive. So uh, sit back, enjoy the conversation. Uh, we get, uh, yeah, we go, go to some cool places. So I hope you get something out of the, uh, the talk and we'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Welcome back to our show. Uh, today, good Lord, I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> so there, there's going to be a few guests on here that I get a little overtly excited about because like, I literally haven't seen this person in almost two years probably. Um, so woman sitting across from me has, uh, been a part of my yoga journey for probably 10 years or so, r- roughly close to it. Um, we met at spark. Mm-hmm. We've been uh, uh, homies ever since, uh, we're now kicking it at bliss off and on, uh, whenever we can get back there together. And, uh, and you've just, you've been like a, a sister to me, you know, in the most beautiful way, uh, somebody that I can go to, to share, um, share the weird shit that comes into my head. And I know that like. <laughs> you've thought weirder things and been raised in, in a, in a very like non-traditional way culturally, um, that the weird quote unquote stuff that I bring to you, you're like, Oh no. Yeah, that's cool. You're cool. Let's talk about that. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm not weird. Thank God. Yes. Yes. So Jen fucking Jensen, man. (laughs) God damn. I love you, girl. I love you. Hell yeah. I remember, you know, so, uh, so I was, I was, uh, I'll say I was your yoga teacher first. Yes. But you were a spiritual guide for me before uh, before that, right? I think about around the same time because yeah. we we met around the same. But I when I when when I started chatting with you is when I was going through my spiritual like I guess awakening moments and and starting to embrace yoga more and and really see where this kind of esoteric life was taking me and and you were one of those beautiful lights that I could just bounce ideas off of. And uh, at the yoga studio and, and not feel like I was judged for the weird shit that I was thinking. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So thank yes. you for that. I'm so deeply honored. That like just lights me up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because you're, you, uh, you're one of the few individuals that I know that, that has uh, been raised in a, in a very spiritual kind of way mm-hmm. and, uh, and have embraced it off and on, I guess. I mean, you've kind of had your past with it. More on than off. And, and you know, I would say non-traditional spiritual raising in the midst of like cultural familial chaos yes ah, all right i love that <laughs> so spin. i i have always kind of referred to my family as the united nations of multiculturalism because i have great grandparents <laughs> from russia okay i have um multicultural extended family members um that are fabulous but come with their own gar you know i said i'm gonna say garbage baggage garbage Garbage, garbage, whatever you wanted and you know my parents were religiously like at completely different ends of the continuum my dad is protestant my mother is jewish oh and um within that i was raised both because they basically kind of had this tug of war like if jen's gonna go to (laughs) temple jen's gonna go to church if jen's gonna have a bat mitzvah. Jen's going to do something in the Protestant church. Uh-huh. I think it was Methodist that I went to. And I have mad respect for 
religion and spirituality and whatever allows people to dig in and cool. get get there the esoteric there there you go and then in the midst of that my mom is this like fucking magnificent metaphysician yeah she'll never say that yeah but she is i you talk highly of your mom constantly. she is um you know we we have had our own paths and we've all had our own drama but at the end of the day that that light that that path has been really well lit for my mom cool. and so i was raised in a a metaphysical household mm-hmm. at, at the foundation, like at, at the root of my spine was metaphysics. Wow. And I, in my mind, I had gone like since birth to this metaphysical school. It turns yeah. out it was like maybe a summer or two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in my mind, it was my whole childhood. Uh-huh. And um, it was called American National Institute. It was in Westlake, California. And it was this phenomenal... Um, partnership between um, Western medicine and metaphysics because it was a nursing school first and foremost Mm. with metaphysical foundation. Wow. And the classes that I took, I mean, I I jokingly tongue-in-cheek call it Harry Potter school because I got a (laughs) wand and a cape. I've actually heard you reference that before. I have referenced that. Yeah. Um, But the when I really think about it and it consistently evolves as, as my memories are kind of reignited as I Mm. remember myself, um, the, the, the groundwork was remembering our light and using that Mm -hmm. to open up, I guess what we would now call the Claire's. Okay. And so the Claire senses. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were looking at auras in plants and animals with each other. We were looking at angels in, wow. in different scenarios and situations. We were working with crystals and very, very metaphysical orient, oriented or what I, I always call like the woo, capital yeah. T, the woo. The woo. Um, not the Wu-Tang, but Not the, the woo. Wu-Tang, yeah. although I do love the Wu-Tang. Ain't nothing to fuck with, man. Uh, in, indeed. Um, but it was very... In, in my childhood, with what I was dealing with, mm-hmm. was exactly what I needed. And it was dreams and community and just deep diving into those things that when you're a child and you've got all of all of these beautiful portals open yeah. in your energetic field, it was just my jam. Yeah. And then life happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you have traditional life happening. How does this work in school? Right. You know, um, I can I can distinctly remember um, my middle school years, which were just jacked. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you were into metaphysics, it was like associated with like heavy drugs. Right. Yeah. Totally. There's heavy a lot drugs. of stigmas around that. Heavy yeah. Drugs. Most definitely. So you psychedelics, were, all kinds of not shit. even psychedelics. Like, well, yes, psychedelics. I was gonna say, yeah, that was gonna just. I'm going to move on from that. It's <laughs> going to end up in one of my gen moments where I'm not making words. Um, <laughs> um, yes. But like when you're 12 and like experimenting hmm. with deep things without any container or parameter of safety, right? it's a little bit different than if you are choosing to walk a path in that and you're using that to access that realm yeah. Rather than using that realm to escape your life. Mm, and that's okay. where we were in middle school. So like anybody that I connected gotcha. with, it, it was not for me hmm. because I didn't want to escape. Not in that realm. Right. I mean, I used other things to escape, but not psychedelics, not drugs, hmm. not, you know, my 
one of the things that I was deeply indoctrinated into was that if you were going to be using anything that was mind altering, you were going to get possessed like the exorcist and poltergeist had a baby. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I grew up a, a lot in metaphysics, afraid of what I was able to see and do. Okay. Um, especially my dreams. I've always been a deep dreamer. Mm-hmm. My dreams have been very, very graphic, and they've all had super deep meanings. Um, and I grew up terrified of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super scared. Do so you the, dream yeah. journal? Do you keep track of all those? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, I would say, volumes of wow. dreams. of It's because I started writing my dreams down when I was about eight or nine. Wow. Wow, that's discipline. Good for you. I Well, it was the only way for me to purge because at that time I was terrified. And okay. if I didn't write it down, it stayed with me. And then I was afraid to sleep. Okay. All right. So that was your way of getting it out. And so mm-hmm. it's out of my brain now. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere else. It can be where it needs to be and yes. not in my head. Yes. Okay. So that, that dance <clears throat> kind of ebbed and flowed. Like I would read people's cards for mm-hmm. gas money. I'd read people's cards for Boone Strawberry Hill money. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd, you know, work with crystals and, and help align energy Yeah. Um, for, you know, free rides to... I don't know, the cow palace when I was okay. living in, in the Bay Area. <laughs> all right, all right. So you were utilizing your metaphysical gifts yes. to help sustain your capitalistic needs when you were younger. Yes. Right. So I was a drug dealer. You were a crystal. There you go. You were an energy dealer. There yeah, you good go. for you. High five. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we work within our strengths when we got them, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, and interestingly, within that, I, I mean, I've lived a very traditional type life. Yeah. I've, you know, gone to school, went, you know, college, mm-hmm. four years of college, have my master's degree, live, have a very traditional life. And where I'm sitting now is so, it's, it's so jammy because mm. it's both sides. I'm working both sides of my brain. I'm working both sides of my psyche right. because I have that traditional and non-traditional really in the same container. Mm. Man, and good for you for finding the balance of that. I'm, that's what I'm working on right now. We were just talking about that downstairs. Yeah. Do you? So do you feel that since you grew up with that strong metaphysical background, religious background, but it seems like you were open to explore, mm-hmm. uh, that probably added to a lot of that that balance that you have now, whatever that balance might be. It's still seeking balance, but oh my gosh! Well, you know. I would, I would probably characterize my journey as more of like a shit show <laughs> than a, a balanced. I mean, it's taken, it's taken a lot of, I don't even know the word, just awareness and, yeah. and willingness to dig in to find any sort of balance because yeah. I feel like the majority of my life I've been, I, I mean, I say schizophrenic very loosely, but like energetically schizophrenic where I'm mm. like bouncing back and forth, swinging from one side to the other okay. on a, a pendulum of epic proportions, yeah. whether it's um, space or whether it's people or whether it's food, whether it's um, school. Right. I have always found that roller coaster of moving to one side and then thwarting myself on the other. It's right. only really within, I would say, the last year and a half where I feel like I've arrived somewhere. And I'm sure hmm. that there will be more. I'm sure that there will be just yeah. knowing knowing my life and knowing what, what comes into and moves out of it and knowing that nothing is is 
finite and everything is temporary, right. I'm sure I will have multiple opportunities to practice balance. <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, you know, I, I beat myself up a lot for not having balance or not having the path figured out earlier. And, you know, we, we all walk our own paths and we have to do that. But with the balance side, you know, I think the, the, the times that I feel out of balance, uh, now at least, is when I find myself not consciously living my life. Like if I'm oh, not amen. like very yes. aware and not, yeah. to, not to say like, not, you know, so not the awareness so much as like, I have to focus on breathing and tell myself to breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. Like, that's not the awareness I mean. Like, it's not the minutia. It's the grand picture, right? If I'm not aware of the thoughts that I have in the direction that I'm moving, then very, very unconscious Adam steps up and is like, hey, you should go have a drink. And I'm like, no, I'm done with that. It's like, but are you sure? Like, yeah, yes. I'm done with it, right? You know, so it's like, it's being conscious of the decisions you're making, why you're making them and how they're impacting you, especially the bigger ones that help me stay on the path of what I would consider balanced. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. That, that pervades every area of my life. And I used to talk about it the way that it would show up in, in my body mm. would be like the switches flipped. Right. And it, and it would really pertain to anything. It wasn't specific. Yeah. Um, and it really showed up around food and, and in my, in my yeah. later life it showed up around alcohol Yeah. and it was this weird, this weird juxtaposition of the way that I was raised around food mm -hmm. and the way that I was raised around or not, not so much raised around the idea of play. Mm. And it was this this weird thing where you either were so careful and so controlling or you just let fucking loose and just let it rip. Okay. And that was like not serving me ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ever. Because I would have these very regimented, restrictive behaviors mm. and then I would just lose it and just be like, whoa, yeah. let's go. <laughs> you know? And you can, I mean, anybody who's known me yeah. for any amount of time has experienced a version of that okay until maybe the last year and a half okay and every single time the universe has stepped in and been like knock knock bitch you got to stop yeah. and you got to take a look and yeah. you've got to you've got to <laughs> breathe and you've got to start really being aware and it, because it's not about letting it loose without any type of awareness right it's about enjoying the moment for me right you Thank know, you. Yeah, I definitely. spent so much time <clears throat> trying to escape the moment mm. and, and not understanding the discomfort and addressing what the discomfort was. I just wanted to bandaid that fucker. Right. And then move on and then move on. Totally. I don't want to feel this. I just want to move on. Mm -hmm. And like literally not knowing that I spent most of my life as a number right. in some way. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. And like, I, you know, and, and as a human beings, like we don't want discomfort, you know, we're, yeah. we're not thriving on that. But I think that what to remember is that if you don't deal with it now, you're going to have to deal with it later. And later it's going to be so much harder and so much more stubborn and so much more entrenched in what that, that groove that you've created inadvertently, yes. you know, that, that it's going to want to stick around and it's going to have to be pulled away. Yes. So we were talking about Vipassana earlier downstairs and, you know, with Vipassana, they talk about those, those pockets of discomfort as sankalpas. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's the shit we don't deal with in life. It nestles in somewhere nice and tight, you know, and causes arthritis later on in our life or causes some inflammation that might cause a cancer and like all this shit because it's dis-ease in our body, yes. you know, so 
as difficult as let's say a breakup might be right mm-hmm. you don't want to break up with your whatever you know respective uh, girlfriend boyfriend whatever so you just you you let it go and you just keep rolling it out it's better than just the the tears no address that now get it over with heal the part in your body that needs to be healed because you cannot flourish fully until you've dealt with that thing right yes. so deal with that thing yes you know yes yeah and we've talked about you know my health and I have a, a pantheon of <laughs> medical conditions. And there's been all sorts of kind of conjecture on how I've gotten what I've gotten. So I have, you know, double adrenal failure since I was a little kid. Okay. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I have this wonky thing called Wolf Parkinson White, which is a weird. I've never even heard of that. Weird, like, band of muscle in your heart that redirects um, electrical currents. Okay. And it sounds like a band in general, like does. a cool band name. It Wolf does. Parkinson, what is it? White. Wolf Parkinson yeah. White, yeah. Well, and that's so... That's Crosby's so, still in Nash of the, the future. Indeed. You know? Serendipitous, because it literally is like a rock band in your heart. Oh, no. It's great. Um, <laughs> oh, that, would, that was the palpitations. <laughs> that was, that was a, to some degree, yes. Okay. So what we never really wanted to talk about, especially as a family, was the trauma part. Okay, yeah. You know, the, the ironically, the, the very interesting connection between that kind of early family trauma, even going into the patterns of what happened when we locked down for COVID was Mm. we, this weird, not necessarily, no, weird's not the right word. This foreign interdependence where my choices influence and impact other people's lives kind of came out in like large Mm. force for me. Yeah. So like, for my family to not realize that their choices directly impact me mm. and the fact that they may or may not take care of themselves directly impacts whether I'm allowed to survive or not. Wow. Um, is that was like, we don't talk about that, but everything that I've been researching, whether it's traditional coursework or gen coursework, okay. all starts about what happens with the body and trauma. And there is no doubt in my mind that I have what I have because of trauma, unhealed mm. trauma, um, trauma that wasn't mine to take on, okay. um, intergenerational, multiversal trauma. Past life kind of oh, trauma yeah. that's coming with you. Um, yeah, okay. It, yes. And so <clears throat> navigating through that, because again, it's that balance. I have yeah. Western medicine where I'm, I am steroid dependent for the rest of my life to some degree. Okay. And, and then other therapies that I've been using, whether it's Eastern medicine, whether mm. it's traditional Chinese medicine, whether it's acupuncture, whether it's meditation, yoga, whatever it is, right. it's that same dance yeah. of how that balances. Um, but it's been a really fucking rocky ass road where, you know, I've crawled into the ER <laughs> because I can't stand up. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's trippy, trippy shit. But yeah. it's, again, that awareness where if everybody is is working mindfully mm-hmm. to fuel themselves, then interdependently we become healthier. Yes. Somehow. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. No, I, you know, and that's when we can do the work to show up as the human being that we're proud of showing up as, and that's very subjective to the human being that the person, right. And it doesn't like your health is your health, right? Yeah. There's, there's skinny fat, there's, there's heavy skinny, right? Yeah. Whatever term you want to put to it. Right. The, the, the size of your body does not determine the, the health that you hold. Right. right? Um, so getting the work done on yourself to feel the healthiest that you can feel internally, externally, then 
that just exudes the confidence and the the beauty that you hold as a human being to let other people start to feel that embrace as well. It'd be like, okay, cool. Like it is possible for all of us to be healthy. Yes. Right. And so getting you to a point to where you're fit for service, you can be of service. Well, will help. Like it just emanates uh, uh, around you almost, yes. you know, like I've, I've dealt with weight issues my, my entire life, um, eating habits and eating disorders and things like that. And I can honestly say that when, when I finally, um, and, and it, it's not that I sought, well, I actually did. I did. I sought yoga to try to, to, to find weight management and, and help me with that. But, and it wasn't yoga per se, the exercise that helped me lose weight because I did yoga for probably three years without losing really any weight at all. But it got my mind right. And it got me into a spiritual place where I was thrive, where I was, I was, I was desiring to be, but didn't really realize yes. it. And then through that, through that spiritual balance that I started to find, I innately started taking better care of myself as a human. And so yoga, yes, yoga is great physical exercise, but it wasn't the thing that helped me lose weight. It was controlling my portions, dropping portions down, plus with yoga, plus with meditation, plus with all these things that made me a healthier human being all around, which innately helped me lose the weight that I wanted to, but that wasn't the healthy part of it. The healthy part with me was like realizing I have a fucking soul, yeah, right? Realizing I have morals, I have values that I want to establish and, and, and work towards and not to say, I'm going to hold you to my morals, but I'm going to hold me to my morals. Yeah. And when you can, when you can make those promises to yourself and then keep those promises, you build the confidence that you need to show up stronger as a human being yes. so that you can hold space and be that pillar for other people so that they can hold space and then be those pillars for their people. And then blah, blah, blah. We talked about this in a previous podcast, but that's that 1% idea. If you can get 1% of an object moving in a different direction, the entire object starts to move. I love it. 1%. That's yes. all it takes. Yes. Right. I, what you, I literally feel what you just said up and down my spine. Mm. Um, and the power of yoga, all of yoga, mm-hmm. definitely has saved my life. Yeah. And, you know, even circling back a little bit to when you and I first met, because I was, I was not necessarily programmed, but because of, of the, um, Addison's disease, the adrenal, um, failure, going to hot yoga mm-hmm. was something that my endocrinologist who I adore, um, he's Southern. He's fantastic. He sings to me. Oh, beautiful. He's amazing. <laughs> and he saved my life probably about 15 times. Wow. But he basically, he calls me Jen Jen. Love that. And Jen Jen, uh-uh, you're not going to hot yoga. <laughs> you can't go to hot yoga. That's not for you. So yeah. I grew up like not growing up, but like I started doing yoga when I was a teenager. I started meditating as a kid. Mm. Um, now granted it was meditation without breathing because I was in, I don't even know where I started to call it the trauma, but that's what I called it. Trauma, capital T (laughs) fucking trauma. Um, little accent on the age. (laughs) I, I was like holding my breath trying to get clear and it was like, that was just in it. But was that like a, do you remember if that was like an intrinsic thing? Like you were like, I, I feel right. I'm going to hold my breath to meditate. No. And you've seen me do it in class. Yeah. It liter- like when I first started practicing hot yoga, you would see me do like. Yeah. You're all I clenched like, up you and know, stuff. Almost yeah. like rigor mortis. Yeah. I was like wearing my shoulders as ear- earrings. Um, and you would come in and, and do a, just a gentle adjustment. Uh-huh. And I had, didn't even know that that's what I was doing. And yeah. then it was kind of like the thriller dance where it would only be my right shoulder. <laughs> 
And like, yeah, it was, you know, I don't, but that was where it came from. Right, I right. would clench <clears throat> instead of, and a lot, I mean, looking back and just observance, it's just avoidance. It's discomfort, hmm. you know, um, it's, it's pain. It's, it's, it's the trauma. The trauma. There you go. <laughs> but finding a deeper practice within yoga where it's not asana emphasized. Yeah. Where it's moving my body to move energy and motion. It's quieting the mind. It's it's closing my eyes and listening to that dialogue within my spirit. Mm. That is when things started to shift for me because you watched me. Yeah. I mean, I've been on some version of of biological roller coaster with my body, whether it's health, whether it's weight, for a long time. Yeah. And I was physically doing all the right things. I was taking all of these classes and I was eating fairly clean. Right. But that wasn't the nourishment that needed to be cleaned out. That wasn't the nourishment that needed to be extricated. It mm-hmm. was energetic. Right. And it was it was mine. And it was the the sticky tacky, I'm calling it energetic tartar mm-hmm. <laughs> around around my gut, around my heart, around my throat. Yeah. Um, those bottlenecked places. And I knew but I didn't know. Right. But turning down the noise, finding a truly spiritual practice with yoga allowed for something to be set free. And it just started to leak into other areas Mm. of like, am I helping or harming myself in every area of my life? And it started with that practice because I found myself, you know, and, and I'm sure when I say this, you'll be like, yep, because we've talked about this before, but for for me, and I know that I'm not alone, and I know for many other people, yoga is not a physical exercise for me. Right. Um, it is it is a spiritual exercise, mm-hmm. and yet me growing up in that kind of fitness kind of line straddling with yoga, right. whether it's at home or in a studio or in where I, where I grew up in California. There was there was always this energy like I didn't I didn't realize that I took it on, but I would walk into a room and depending upon who was in the class, mm-hmm. um, as a student, I would all of a sudden feel competitive. Okay. Or I was all of a sudden I felt like I needed to push it. Right. And I don't know where it came from. Hmm. And and you could always tell what ended up happening because my body's listening. And she's like, I don't like that. And yeah. here's what here's what I'm gonna do, Jen. I'm gonna inflame your ass. Oh shit! And then we're Take gonna, that. Th- you know what? Are you listening yet? Uh-huh. So when I went into to physical activity for reasons, I want to say the wrong reasons. The word wrong is not the right word for me. Right. I want to say maybe misaligned reasons. Okay. Yeah. My body paid me back. <laughs> and then and then it was almost as if it was like a alter ego my body and then me somewhere we were split wow and then i paid her back by like shoving shit in my mouth that i shouldn't (laughs) that didn't serve me you know you know you're gonna inflame i can't i can't put my watch on today i'm gonna go eat a pizza and drink a bottle of wine so there There what now nanner nanner banana slammer like yeah it wasn't until i realized what was really happening which was one i didn't have an energetic boundary around me okay I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't as mindful as I honored myself to be. Okay. And then I ended up into old programming where 
I've always been, you know, in my, the old narrative is I'm the 200 and so on pound fat girl who can't exercise. Right. Yep. And I'm just a sloth. Right. Because that's, that's the old narrative. Mm -hmm. And then I would cycle through that shit and then make it true, make it true, make it true. I projected it on other people. Yeah. (laughs) And it's great. You know, you know, and when you fight for those limitations, like you said, projecting it on other people, when we fight for those limitations, look at how much I can't control my diet. Look at how much I love pizza. Look at, you know, when you fight for those limitations, you win fucked up battles. Yeah. It's like, look how shitty of a human I think I am. And then I get to be right. Exactly. Right. There's nothing cool about that. Yeah. Here's your not your, here's not your gold star. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is, you know, and it's it's hard to it's hard not to fight for those things because we we start to identify with those things because we feel that's our identity. Yes. You know, and I was a I identified as an overweight kid for a long time. Like I still refer to my 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 past as a former fat child, you know, and it's like I'm more than just the 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 weight that I held and you know the the physical appearance that I had. And I know that, but yeah. there's still that time, there's still that that part of me that that refers to me in that way. And it's deep. And my dog, by the way, I is in there. It. Yeah, she's sawing logs. So I if you guys it. hear some some snoring, man, Olive is just sawing logs over there. But uh, but yeah. So I and that's as much as as much as we know that that is not the work and that is not the way to do it. We still have to we still have to remind ourselves yes. because that that is the trauma that is ingrained deep within us. And and culturally and societally here, mm. that's what we're taught to do. Yeah. Yep. You know, we are assigning blame and categorizing things. You know, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I referred to being on a plan or um, being in alignment as good mm-hmm. and being out of alignment or off plan as bad. I'm going to be good today. Right. And and it's it. I still find myself not necessarily saying it out loud, but it's definitely in my brain somewhere where I'm like, no, no. Stop. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. No. We're going to we're going to honor today. Right. We're going to honor today. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. Because that the the minute that I categorize, my body is listening. Yeah. And and she, and she doesn't like it. Yep. Perception is nine tenths of the flaw, you know. And you know, back to Vipassana, you know, when we scan our bodies and when we start to find those points of interest, um, you know, one of the practices is not to put, not to label it. Yeah. We just we we refer to it as a point of interest, because if you say, okay, I've scanned my body and there's a negative, there's this pain in my thigh, right? And so I'm going to label it as a pain, right? And then so my body is already negative about it. It's like, oh, there's this pain, right? And if I, if it's a good sensation and I label it as good, then if I scan my body again and I don't feel that good sensation, I'm going to be sorrowful and be like, oh, well, where's that good? Sen-? Maybe I'm doing this wrong. You know, so if we can keep that equanimity and that neutrality in our mind and observe it as a sensation and just yes. as that, the uh, the sensation a lot of times, uh, sometimes it is something that might be considered painful, will start to just from the, the observation of it be brought to the surface where it can basically voice its complaint. It can now finally be heard. It can say, hey, when I was little, this thing happened to me and it fucking sucked. I put it here in my thigh to hang out until you felt like dealing with it. Hey, you know what? I feel listened to. Boom. Now yes. I'm gone, right? Yes. And it's like a, it's like a guest that needs to that, that complains about their food being cold, right? Yes. They don't they don't always want something for free. Sometimes they just want to let you know, "Hey, my quesadilla was cold, man. Next time, step <laughs> it up," right? It's all yes. we need. You just want yes. to be heard, you know? So, yes. give your give your body that chance to be heard. Oh my gosh, I love that. 
I love that. I actually just finished um, one of the the many odd gifts mm-hmm. of of COVID of the I, I'm calling it like the grand cocoon because that's kind of what I've really done. Okay, is kind of cocooned up. Yeah, and kind of battened down the hatches. Is I'm been reading so much and one of the books i just finished reading is this book called healing is the new high oh beautiful it's it's just it's magnificent Mm. it's a really quick read it's not anything that we don't know but it's definitely things that we need to revisit right and um the author i think his name is vex king okay um he talks about not labeling really anything Mm. to just witness okay and that shit is hard it's hard yeah to feel that and and really, like, the first thing that I realized that is so hard to witness and sit with and not try to fix right away is hunger. Oh. It's hunger. Yeah. So when I'm hungry, um, now that I'm kind of delving deeper into that healing process mm-hmm. of my relationship with food and my body and my health, I realize that there's certain levels of hunger that almost feel like a, a hypoglycemic response where I have to get something right away. Okay. But then all of a sudden, it it doesn't feel good. Mm. So knowing that it's okay for me to be uncomfortable. Right. It's okay. I'm, you know, I'm not going to die tomorrow if I sit in my hunger and have a little energetic dialogue with it for a couple minutes to figure out what I really am wanting for mm-hmm. myself. And it's just been instead this really interesting portal of old behavior. Right. And as you know, we talk about the woo, the woo, the woo. you know, knowing that um, I I know that I've had past lives where I'm starving. Right. Okay. I also know that I came into this life starving. Okay. So my I was taken out of my mom two weeks early mm. um, because her placenta had calcified. Oh, wow. I was starving in her womb. Yeah. I came into this world starving. Literally starving. Yeah. Literally starving. Wow. And then thinking that I have to label, even though we're talking not about labeling, <laughs> um, <laughs> as this like chronic overeater because I can't get enough food. Hmm. And looking at my life's trajectory around that going, that even in like my therapy sessions as a kid, hmm. I would get in there and eat. Okay. I would, I, and that's all I would do. Mm. We might play a little of the ungame every now and then. Yeah. Dates me a little bit. <laughs> but I would go in there and eat and feel shame because I could not get full. Mm. And what happens now as I think about it as going back energetically, metaphysically, and healing, forgiving, nurturing that child that came into this world starving. Mm. So, of course, she has a culture of wanting to make sure she has enough food and maybe even being too full because she doesn't remember when she's going to be eating again. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. What? Wow. That's wow. That's really deep. That's, that's some good stuff to unpack. Like, holy crap. Yeah. So, yeah. So as I dig in more on, on an inner healing journey, which is really the the body the the physicality for me as the byproduct mm-hmm. the the feeling inside is is the is the juicy jammy stuff for me Definitely. at this point in time yeah um going and really digging into that and holding space for that and now sitting in that discomfort going i now have the opportunity teachable moment to sit 
and do a little dialogue hmm. with that multiversal Jenny. Right. That's, that's, you know, give me a freaking donut. Give me something to, you know, put something in my mouth because I'm, I, what happens if I'm never going to eat again? Right. Yeah. And now giving some foundation and the byproduct of that is that my body is listening mm-hmm. and my organs are listening and my glands are listening and they're all really showing me that they, that this is, this is what I meant to do. Right. Yeah. 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 And giving yourself, <clears throat> I, you know, that's, that's been, that's been very, very helpful for me too, is asking, uh, sitting with the, the sensation, um, that, that part of it, I, I really resonate with, uh, personally, um, in that, that sitting with the sensation of like, say when I'm, when I feel quote unquote hungry, um, is that really hunger? It, what, what maybe I'm bored and I do bore eat a lot. Mm-hmm. I eat because I'm bored a lot, you know, so identifying with what that actual sensation is. And then like, you know, having that wherewithal also to, to see where it manifests in the body, you know, because as we start to understand where things manifest in our body, then we can, we can get a deeper understanding of what that really is. Cause hunger is, is a sensation that also is very similar for me in particular to anxiety and to depression, mm-hmm. you know, but those also anxiety mo- moves in a different way. Depression moves in a different way in my body. And so if I'm feeling if I, if I have the, 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 the space to sit with myself and say, okay, I'm hungry. Where's that hunger manifesting? Okay. Down in my gut, which is also where my anxiety manifests. Okay. What am I worried about happening later? Oh, that's right. I have, let's say an interview or I have to go work later. I have to go teach my vinyasa class. It's very intricate and very like, you know, transition oriented. Okay. No, I'm not hungry. I'm just nervous about this thing I'm going to do. I should practice the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that, right? Instead of eating a Snickers bar or whatever mm-hmm. the hell is going to appease my, the, the inner fat child that I used to be, right? And I say that jokingly, um, I'm not like making fun of anybody with weight problems, but that's how I refer to my old self is my inner fat child. Um, you know, my, I, I make this joke a lot. We talked about this earlier. You know, I refer to myself as my former fat child, my, you know, things like that. And to me it's joking, but I also understand that that's my way of coping with that part of my life. And I have to understand too, that some people might feel offended by that Mm -hmm. verbiage that I'm using. You know, so I'm trying to be better about that, not only to honor others and make them feel comfortable, but to give myself the space that I needed to just be that person. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't just a fat kid, you know, I was very deep and very complex and as we all are, you know, figuring out life to just label myself as a former fat kid. I'm putting myself in a box that I didn't need to be in. Right. You know? Right. You know, it's like when I talk about being in Houston, when I grew up in Houston, when I was there, it was very racially charged. And there was a lot of just ignorance there. Mm -hmm. Homosexuality was very ignorant. Racism was very ignorant. There was a lot of stupid shit going on in Texas where they weren't accepting of individuals. Mm -hmm. That's not them anymore. Right. And I still find myself like talking about Texas as being ignorant and racist and sexist. But Houston's changed a lot. There still might be modicums of that, but that doesn't mean that that's what encompasses. That's just my recollection of it. Not everybody's being flyered by KKK at their mailbox, right? That was me when I was growing up. That's not there now. So I need to release that understanding of that and embrace where it's at now, like living in this moment instead of living in in my memory of it. Oh my gosh. But that memory, like that's big. Oh, it's deep. Yeah, totally. That's really big. But, uh, but yeah, we got to fight through that ignorance. You know, we got to fight through that shit so we can see, um, the, the reality for what it is. That is powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. I, I did not grow up in an area 
where that was prevalent, I had that in my family. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Even harder to move through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, looking at it as like in a fishbowl, like I'm on the outside of the fishbowl when Mm -hmm. you get multiple layers of religions that are somewhat antithetical. Okay. And then you get family members of said religions in one place. Mm. Um, And then there's, you know, the BFF of all BFFs, alcohol involved. Oh, yes. Um, Shit flies. Uh And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't have lots of memories of like big family gatherings. It was more um, immediate family. Okay. And um, in like kind of undercover coercive types of little jabs here and there. (laughs) And um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about Protestant culture, but I know the the the, the Judaism culture is very strong in their in their beliefs of yes. this, you know, <clears throat> um, just strong in their beliefs. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> you know, my my the, my mom's side of the family. So by by Jewish religion, I'm Jewish from mother's Jewish, child is Jewish. Right. But my experience with Judaism was really beautiful. Hmm. It's always been really beautiful. Good. It's always been about, um, really about rising from the ashes mm. as descendants of slaves. Okay. You know, um, really cultural in nature around ritual, not necessarily around religion. So mm-hmm. like my, my grandparents and my mom, um, they were not temple goers. I, I normally went to temple with my friends and mm. it was few and far between. So it was really much more open and about story and about history than mm-hmm. anything else. But I did have family members call me a Jap for oh. whatever reason. Okay. <laughs> you know, and oh, yeah, not understanding how you can say, I love you, but let me call you this word that has its pejorative right. in every essence of the meaning. Yeah. Um, it's been mostly, and in, in all honesty, I think that those comments weren't even grounded in anything that really matters it's just i'm angry i'm gonna go for the jugular where can i hurt you the most oh yeah there boop poke 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so say it with a smile so you get really you know totally or even say like oh you know what i'm just an asshole Mm -hmm. and that makes it okay yep totally yep you know yeah, I, uh, I, I, I struggle with that because I used to do that. I'm like, oh, well, I'm just your friendly neighborhood asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to say it like it is. But, you know, what I what I really understand is that you're just, you're, I, me, I'll speak from my own personal experience. I was just in super amount of pain and I wanted other people to feel that pain too. Yeah. Didn't want to just sit it myself. So yeah. you, you have these backhanded comments, these underhanded jabs that, you know, you say it with a sweet smile on your face. Like like in the South, you know, one of the best sayings. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> oh, bless your heart, dear. Aren't you sweet? It's like, man, you're a fucking idiot, basically. Yeah. Really help you fall over a pole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But you know, it's uh, you know, we've 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 kind of cross sectioned community quite a few a few times here. Um, you talked about it with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, you know going to to uh, temple with your friends. We've talked about it with yoga. Um, but you know, community, I think, is where we start to really find. Um, we find the answers that we're really looking for because we get to beta test our ideas yes. in community, especially when we're younger, you know, when we're young and we're teenagers and we are around all these friends that seemingly like-minded, we get to test out our theories and be an asshole and be a bitch and be a, you know, be the nice guy, be whatever it is and yes. see how those land with us. 
you know, it's a little different now that we're, you know, more electronically um, linked and not more personably linked because now we can't see, let's say like I, let's say if I, you know, we're in an argument and I, and I call you a bitch, right. For whatever reason, unwarranted, but that's the word I choose to use. If I, if I say that to your face, I can see the reaction that you have and be like, Oh, well shit. Oh, I don't want Jen to feel like that. She's obviously hurt. You know, I shouldn't have said that thing. I apologize. Never going to do that again. But if I say that via text or an email or Instagram or whatever fucking platform we use now, I don't get to see your response. And so I just get this yummy feeling of having the last word of calling you a bitch and I hit send and then I sit here in my throne of awesomeness and be like, that's right. I got the last word. Fuck you. You know, I don't learn my lesson of how to be a human and and see that that, you know, that that really hurt that person. Mm -hmm. And I might not have even meant it in a negative way. I might have been joking about it, but I still don't get to see that person's response and then learn something from that. You know, so that community that we have, that face-to-face, that interactive community that we can have is very, very important for our growth and development as humans. You know, we were all based off of like, what, 150-person villages back in the day. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we say that is very loose term, but say 15,000 years ago, we had 150 people we all knew. We, we could keep track of everybody. We knew the kids. We knew the relatives. And we could just survive as happy human beings because we intimately knew everybody in our groups. Yes. We could see their faces, interact with them as people. You know, now we're, we're, we're worldwide, we're 8 billion people deep, you know, it's really hard to understand, like, do I really have 3000 friends that I intimately know on Instagram? No, no, I probably know maybe a percentage, like 1% of you very, very well, the rest, thanks for supporting me. And I, I love you. And I, and I appreciate your comments. But like, I, I don't know your kids birthdays. Yes. I don't know your kids name. I don't even know if you have kids. Yes. Right? You know, so. Um, so finding those communities that we can have that we can actually communicate with and be intimate and be vulnerable and be uh, be corrected by, you know, you know, oh I, it's so important for us. I am so glad that you said all of that. There's been like 15 different things that have been popping in my head <laughs> since you started talking about community. Because the first thing that, that, especially in the last year and a half, yeah. where everything has, I mean, I, I for myself, am certain I have, I have PTSD hmm. from the shutdown, right. um, from global pandemic, mm-hmm. and from the very interesting thing that happened when we physically had to distance ourselves, which for me, I felt much more energetically in tune and energetically empathic where I was like, what am I feeling here? Hmm. And there is, I think it's super ironic that our generation, like generation where we like drank water out of a hose Mm -hmm. and had a um, landline phone and like sat and like like, jump roped around the cord Uh uh um, has more of us that are super duper, Um, fixated on our cell phones and social media, (laughs) Um, myself, exhibit A through Z. (laughs) I've actually had to, like, I've actually posted offline is a state of mind, not because I want everybody to know that I'm offline, Mm. to keep me accountable to be offline. I like that. Offline is a state of mind. Because I freaking find myself scrolling and I'm like, why? Why am I doing that? Yeah. Um, The other pieces that came is um, there's, because of, of things being physically distanced, you know, we had the the awakening of the Zoom Zoom platform, right, and everything yeah. is now Zoom. But what was really interesting about that is Zoom yoga. Mm-hmm. You can feel people across that screen. Yes, you can. Most and definitely. 
and it's it's legit and it's real and I sometimes even ventured to say that my Zoom yoga class I felt more from those students over the over the screen than in a physical studio mm. because even though we are so physically apart, energetically that that platform is like a container. Right. It's like Tupperware, yeah, where it's just bouncing off of the edges. Mm-hmm. And so, if we were in an argument and and I call you an aim, I still can feel that. I can feel your response. Yeah. It's easier for me to not pay attention to it because you're not here, right? Yeah, but I still feel it, like you know. The text messaging, oh man. When I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. I was on the phone. I probably had a phone glued to my ear. Okay. I have a friend. With the like 10 foot long cord on it and shit. Yeah. Uh, There were, so there were, there were three of us in high school right when 902 came, uh, 90210 came out. Awesome. Okay. Yes. And the three of us would literally sit on the freaking phone, Uh like watching television. And we'd only talk at the commercials. Yeah. Did you see what Dylan did? Yep. Oh my gosh, Jason Priestley is so hot. You know, and like it was, you know, and I used to love to talk on the phone. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm better at it now, but there was a period of time where I just did not want to talk on the phone. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just text me. Yeah. But the hard part was that I could still feel the transference over the text message. I right. can feel the intention around it. I feel we can all do that. Mm. It's not something that's just unique to me. Right. We all have that. Now, the the difference is it does fracture the human connection, right? Mm-hmm. It, it does create like little splinters because we're not pers- we're not in community. Right. It's a version of community that's influenced by technological waves, which that jacks up our shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, oh my gosh, I, that, it just brings me right back to the, the, the real intrinsic power of community of being in connection with people is really about the journey, mm. you know, which brings me to, I, I've said this probably since I was, certified as a yoga instructor in any class that I could ever get my hands on taking or teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. Oh, beautiful book. Yeah. I feel like that that is the Bible of community mm. and not one that we, that I have heeded in the yeah. past because <laughs> I am definitely an assumer to yeah. my demise <laughs> and I probably take everything personally. <laughs> I, I, gosh, yeah, there's parts of me that really take everything personally and I'm trying really hard not to be that person, but I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up zoom. Um, I I remember the first zoom class that I taught, um, uh, you know, after all the pandemic stuff started, it was probably in an April timeframe or something like that in my living room downstairs. And, um, and I, after the cumbersomeness of just getting onto zoom and platform wise and blah, 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 that bullshit. I was so, so excited to connect with those whatever 10, 15 people that were on that screen, like just to see other human beings, no offense to Monica or my dog, but somebody other than those four eyes, like I was like, oh my God, there's other people out there. Yes, this is amazing. And so that community side was great, but there was, I had a revelation as a teacher, like my, my teaching style vastly changed from Zoom. And um, so my... I, so when I started learning how to teach, um, 
the the frequency of my voice, my my normal speaking voice, <clears throat> is the same frequency as background noise. <clears throat> so it's very monotone, it's very dry, and it gets it gets lost in the shuffle if a lot of people are talking around me. And so my way of compensating that was I fluctuate my voice if I want people to understand what I'm saying, right? So I kind of sound like a sports announcer at times. <laughs> You know, but that's, you know, and yeah. when I'm leading training seminars or from, you know, when, whenever I'm doing my one-on-ones and management meetings and stuff like that, like I would have to fluctuate. So I learned how to work with it. But, uh, but when I'm teaching yoga, that was a learning, new learning thing for me. So, um, I couldn't really, you know, get my voice to come through as clear. And, uh, and where I was teaching at primarily at B1, the, 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 the heaters are, are like jet engines when they kick on They're they're super loud and I like loud music. So my voice was getting lost a lot. And so the, the coaching that I received and that I was going off of was speak like English is my second language. So take out the filler words and just just speak the, the cue. So lift, leg, step through, crescent lunge, right? Yeah. There's no like, hey, and then engage this muscle and swing, you know, all this right. stuff, these flowery words. No, it was just straight into the point. And I, it was cool. I adopted it. It was fine. And uh, But with, with Zoom, I now had a microphone right by my face. And everybody could hear all the words I was saying, which didn't really occur to me in the very beginning because I'm used to just, you know, speaking very succinctly and then also making jokes that not a lot of people could hear because my voice doesn't really carry. <laughs> Learned really quick that everybody could hear my vo- my jokes. Now I'm like, oh, shit, I need to censor myself a little bit. <laughs> I cool. Love it. Got it. Note to self. But I, I got to switch from being a basic dialogue teacher to be very descriptive in the dialogue that I teach. Yes. And that was a beautiful revelation to me that I didn't even know I was missing. Yes. And so giving me that opportunity and then, you know, I transitioned, I was doing YouTube videos for a little while. And again, like I could really, my voice was clear. I had a microphone right there. And so I had a really good opportunity to start to find my literal voice as a teacher and get away from always showing, always doing to being very detailed with the cueing that I had. I love it. And so like, and now, now that we're back in a real person, I found my way of carrying that over into that making my voice fluctuate, getting away from the monetization of my voice, monotonization, and then, but, but still being able to have good dialogue. And so for me, it was, it was beautiful to, to have that understanding, that realization to be able to work on my, my personal practice. You know, and I have had the honor of being in that zoom room with you for a chunk (laughs) of time. And I will tell you, um, you know, coming from public educator or teaching remote mm. on Zoom to teaching yoga on Zoom to being a yoga student on Zoom. Um, your Zoom class, I think I took mostly your um, vinyasas that you did in on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I might have taken one or two other instructors. But the thing that I love so much about what you do is there the level of closeness that you had so you know in the in the studios especially I think both of our trainings have had like we don't do a lot of demo right there's not a lot of demo and there's therefore there's a lot of opportunity to um, witness energy read the room and then um, cue cue what what bodies need and then acknowledge and honor people in that room and in the zoom room it's really hard to be in posture and you're demoing mostly Mm -hmm. and then find these really intricate breaks where you can then honor people for what they're doing and you did that like fantastically oh thank you thank you like and i'm not saying that because i love you i'm saying that because it's i mean i do love you but it is it's absolutely so so true is there is such a beautiful power of being able to 
one, remember your students' names, and two, honor what they're doing hmm. by name, whether it's a modification or a magnification of posture, right. or whether it's an energetic modification or a magnification that you can feel to still say, you know, Dana, I love the way you're honoring your body, right. and finding time to do that. Because in my Zoom teaching, that's, that is something that in my, in my professional life, in, in, in public education, that's not a problem. In my professional life in yoga, mm -hmm. I got so caught up in feeling everybody's energy, I forgot to witness it and honor it with my words. All right. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Zoom is a, I mean, it's it's a <clears throat> blessing and a curse. I Definitely. You know, I've definitely, <laughs> you know, I, I liked Zoom as a platform, as a yoga teacher, much better when I was just doing Zoom classes. Yes. Um, now we're back into in-person and Zoom, and that tandemness, it, it you know, as, as much as we're trying to include everybody, it almost, I mean, I, I, and I'm only going to speak from personal experience, but I, I feel like I'm bastardizing the Zoom class now because we're so caught up with the in-person class. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, since we're, limited on space uh we're not moving around the studio as much so we are demoing a little bit more so i mean i don't know there's just there's there's a there's a disassociation that i now have a little with the zoom class now that i'm teaching an in-person class and involving a zoom class yeah. and so i uh you know if if we can find a better way of doing that uh and i'm always searching for better ways of doing that and and making sure that everybody feels in a in a, integrated in their own way but but since we switched back to the the tandem stuff, I, I do feel there's a little separation. But but I do, you know, I love, again, it's the community, right? Yeah. It, it gives an opportunity for the people that either are are too far away to practice in person, which mm -hmm. is a great thing that I, that I uh, you know, was uh, exposed to. Like I was having my, my sister-in-law down in Texas take my classes, yes. you know, up here. And I'm like, that's fucking great, man. T-Bone's yes. never been able to take my classes. Big shout out, T-Bone, you know. And uh, so you have people that are, you know, cross country, cross the world that are now able to take classes. You have people that aren't feeling comfortable coming back to studios that mm -hmm. can still get their practice in, you know, whatever that is. So I, I appreciate it for what it is. I just hope that if it's going to stick around, the studios have the the budgets to make it more efficient for the teachers to involve everybody and not just be like, hey, I'm just going to walk around with this Jack Janet Jackson backup singer microphone strapped to my face yeah. and pretend I'm, I'm doing a Zoom class, but I'm going to really just teach to everybody that's in the sweaty room. Yeah. And that's hard, especially mm -hmm. with like your voice projection. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I um, It's been really beautiful because I've been able to have zoom communities mm -hmm. of people who come and take classes and it's been really really lovely it's also given me kind of this really good introspection of like what kind of yoga teacher am i mm. and can i do i honor the sanctity of yoga in the way that I feel honors where where it comes from. Right. Okay. And that's that's a big one with us in yoga, you know, right? It's a big one. Yeah. And because I don't want to bastardize it. I don't want to whitewash it. I'm mm -hmm. a white woman teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. And it is in my deepest intention to really honor the sanctity of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what is so, and I, that's going to be different for all of us. It is. So, uh, what does that mean to you? So, how do you feel honored and be okay? So, I feel culturally uh, uh, ready to honor this practice that I'm going to uh, to to share with the world and not feel like I'm appropriating it in a negative yes. way. Yes. Um, gosh, that's a great question. 
today that feels like, there you, go, today. Um, you know, really like, I can't even speak words. I'm not making words now. <laughs> if you've ever, if you've ever experienced um, one of my, well, no, it doesn't. It's not even my early on yoga classes. Every now and then I will throw in a posture that's not words. Yeah. Totally. Or I'll tell you to, to grab a vegetable like your kale. Oh. Um, yeah. That was like one of my very first classes in studio. I was like, reach back and, you know, make a five finger grip around your kale. I'm like, hmm. wait. We don't have kale as body parts. Good am I, one. Am I well hungry? played, Jen. Do I want a salad? What's going on here? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well played. But um, um, I think first and foremost for me is the language of yoga. Okay. So on the the teacher training that I um, took for yoga was heavy on anatomy and heavy on Sanskrit and mm, and heavy cool. on sutra. Okay. And really knowing where these things came from, the stories and history behind them. And knowing the language and able to speak the language mm. effectively and efficiently. Yeah. And it didn't have to be every single dingle posture, but it did need to be more Sanskrit than English. Cool. And so for me, I think it all comes back to intention and action. Mm -hmm. So um, really thinking about paying homage to those postures and then also homage to the holistic nature of, of yoga, where it's not just about the posture. Right. Yeah. Um, that's today. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've somebody I follow on Instagram, uh, Susanna Bargataki. Okay. I, I love her and I revere her and I look to her for how to move through as a white yoga teacher mm. with honor to the practice. And, First and foremost, knowing that like I'm not an expert on anything, right? Like at all, yep. I might be on an expert on my clothing today, but that might be it. <laughs> and having that humility around it, and I'm also not an expert on what's best for anybody else's body other than my own. Hmm. And really holding space for all of that, sharing space for all of that, right. and but you know, looking, I looked at learning, learning the culture of yoga as learning another language. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there are customs and traditions that are are very special and specific to yoga that I am not experienced in my life. And also tapping into people in the yoga community who I feel have <clears throat> a deeper understanding, whether it's longevity, you've been an instructor or a practitioner for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. um, especially in the last, well, not even especially in the last year and a half, just in the presence of, of racial uprising and multicultural shit storms, mm -hmm. just being aware yeah. and being willing to be wrong. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get it right, I'm, but I definitely don't want to be right. That's not, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's awesome. where I'm at today. Right on. Yeah, <laughs> it'll probably change, but like you know, it will. You know, it will. And I think that's that's beautiful. Being malleable with that, you know. Yeah. And this is where I'm at today. This is where the, my my belief system lies today, because it gives you that ability to change and to adapt if you need to. Yes. You know, it's like it's having ideas instead of beliefs. You know, it's like the old uh, old line from uh, uh, Dogma, the movie Dogma. <clears throat> you know, you can uh, you can have ideas and change your ideas, but people die over beliefs. They do. You know. So, and I, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I very, I mean, I have very few beliefs 
in general because I don't know how to really prove them. Yeah. And the ones that, that make sense, the ones that are the big ones, like where we go after this world's over, where if, if there's like, if there is a spirit, you know, if there is just, we're putting context as human beings to shit that we don't even understand and it's going to end up being something other than a spirit that we end up finding 400 years from now, right? right. Whatever it is. But, <clears throat> but it's the idea. Have an idea. I'm going to move towards it with an idea, but not a belief because I don't want to die for my beliefs. And, and even if the semantical nature of that is, is I know what I believe for myself. Right. Yeah. Like I know what I, I honor or I think, Mm -hmm. or I interpret for myself. I think that where I've gotten into trouble is where I have a assumption that Mm. other people are on the same page and they're not. And then I'm surprised Mm. or, or offended. And then, you know, yeah. And then, you know little Jenny's high horse of self-righteousness comes out. <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. The end, yep, you know, yep. then that clearly doesn't serve me ever. No, not at all. <laughs> <clears throat> That's that, you know, when we meet ignorance with aggression, it just causes more ignorance, you know, right. that doesn't solve any problems. Right. Um, there's a, there's a new term that I've, uh, has come across my path that I love and it's uh, it's an intrinsic knowing, right? So it's mm-hmm. uh, the term is knowing with a G. So it's in yes. it's G N O W I N G. And so it's just, you just know, you don't know how you know, but you do know. And so, and we do know those things. We do have that intrinsic knowing, but we can't expect other people to know what we know just because we feel we know what we know. Right. Right. And I think that's where I love your statement that is like, yes, you might know, you might know with all that is, that is you that makes up the you that you are, you know, but if you can't convey that to somebody, don't hold them accountable for them not knowing it also. Right. Right. That's your knowing. Right. Embrace that knowing that you have. Right. Try to find your way to unpack it if you can, but don't hold others accountable for it. You know? No. My grandmother, even though she was a cantankerous curmudgeon. Oh, oh my gosh. Good sentence. Holy cow, my grandmother. <laughs> Fritzy. Fritzy from oh, the East Coast. Fritzy. Fritzy, Fritzy Bennett. Ooh. Having a bagel and schmia. Yes. Um, oh, wow. Fritzy. Oh, gosh. My grandma. We're coming up on, I believe, the fifth anniversary of her passing. Okay. And um, she she embodies the ant- the antithesis of everything we just said. Okay. Because she was a... She held people to her beliefs with a cloaked fist uh-huh. that normally had a bagel and locks with yeah. it. <laughs> or like some like pickled herring or oh, chopped wow. liver. Very. Oh, oh, oh God. I yeah, love yeah. it. Um, but the one thing that she's always said to me, and she had, you know, you can see my hands are going, you know, Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer, Jen- and it was Jennifer Denise. <laughs> you can't. You can't, you can't expect people to be who they're not. So you got to take people as they are, and then you got to take people as they're not, and then you got to make sense fit for you. <laughs> and and it was and you know, my grandmother was Bubby. Okay, that's the Yiddish Yiddish word for grandmother, and totally. so she was always Bub. And she had a laundry list of Bubisms that <laughs> just applied for her, like you know. I don't have to read the newspaper. I just have to read the headline and then I know everything. Yep. <laughs> and I can't sit next to the the trash cans in any restaurant, you know, but like, but that piece about friendship. Yeah. That's legit. Mm. And, and that's where those agreements come in. Because if I'm, if I'm in alignment with myself, if I'm really working my, my internal healing plan mm-hmm. of being aware of living with integrity and I'm practicing those agreements where I'm not making assumptions and I'm not taking things personally, then those interactions aren't going to matter. 
those belief systems, those, the differences, they're just going to be held space together as differences. It's when I don't practice them that mm. shit gets real. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's it's I'm hurt or I'm injured or I'm offended or I'm angry and and it has nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with me fracturing that agreement for myself. Yeah. So yeah. And that's a that's a hard one for the ego to understand too because oh we we want to put that ego. somewhere else. Yes. You know, we don't want to hold that to ourselves. No. You made me mad. You just pissed me off. Yes. You ruined my day. Yes. <clears throat> no, it's the uh that's and you know, I've got two young kids, um 16 and 12 and the last thing they want to hear ever is that, you know, their their pain and suffering is all on them, yeah. especially at that age because they want to just, you know, disperse that yes. out of somebody else, but you know, and even though I know that it's a losing battle to kind of have that conversation with not I shouldn't say losing battle, but it's a struggle to have that conversation with teenagers um, as it'll land one day. It'll land one day, yep. you know, and I'm not forcing it down their throats that this is your, you know, because it can be a very cynical thing. It's like, oh, well, you're upset. Well, you're doing it to yourself, buddy. Yep. Why aren't you just make yourself happy then if you're pissing yourself off? Yeah, you can be very cynical about that. And, and happiness like, is a choice, yeah. remember? <laughs> like, oh, man. Oh, I want to just stab you. Yep, yep. <laughs> All sharp objects. Take it away from the children when we have those conversations. But, you know, so, yeah, like having that softness of like, okay, so, yes, I understand you're, you're upset. Yes, your sister probably did something to piss you off. But when it all boils down to it, you're just upset because you're afraid of something and we just need to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's unpack that when you're ready and then we can get to a healthy uh, understanding of why you just called your sister that name. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, That was my entire year on Zoom with third grade. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, Zoom yoga, but Zoom kids. You know, I um, my students are incredible. They really are. Yeah. They are incredible. Um, I had a a just gorgeous community of little learners yeah. um, this year. And I don't really know how it happened that we really established a community on Zoom where it really didn't feel after a while as if we weren't in the same room. Cool. And I don't know how that happened. Well, um, I think it's a conscious, conscious teaching from yourself. You yeah, know, you, you, um, you wanted to set out to create that container for people to feel safe and feel heard and feel appreciated. Yes. I, I just feel yes. Yes. And there was something bigger than myself at play for mm. sure. But when things would go south and, and it, in the presence of rigor, And you had just a little bit of work that was difficult or wasn't easy or didn't come naturally. And you had the ever so famous chat box of, can I leave Mrs. Jensen? No, buddy. This is open for, for, for people to have questions. Yeah. But this is hard. You can do hard things, but this is hard. Yeah. And I'm like, this must work at home. Then you're, when you're using the same sentence over again, thinking I'm going to change my mind, I'm right. like, you can keep coming. I'm not going to say, you know what? You don't have to do this today. Uh-huh. I'm going to say you don't have to do it right now, but then you have to come back with me later. Mm, yep. And I mean, it was difficult. <clears throat> it was difficult because it felt, it felt, um, can, it felt concentrated. Okay. Because the energy was so pervasive in that small space in that screen, yeah. That if it had the the capacity of a full, I don't know, five hundred to a thousand square foot classroom where that energy can go out a window or out the door and not just hit your screen, 
Because I'm like, I felt like, oh gosh, I really do feel the daggers. I yeah. do. I wow. feel those daggers. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no. It was. They did a really great job, but I will say, after, I don't know, four or five months of like glitches and mm-hmm. getting kicked off Zoom and not being able to hear and like, I had a couple of third grade buddies that really love to be in their blanket on the couch and okay. they're like you've got to get up yeah you've got to get up like you've got to put on some clothes yeah. and not be in your pajamas right. and you cannot do <laughs> multiplication and division laying down under yeah. a blanket please for the love that's of all that's holy please get up oh good for before you before i lose my mind oh man i can only imagine because like I'm not in my blanket, right? Even I mean, though I want was, to be, part of it, part of it was a little bit jelly. Yeah, right. But exactly. But the other part is like you can't tell me you're giving me your 100 percent, and I have to give you a grade and let your parents know how you're doing, if you like left the room. Right. And I did have a couple of those. They yeah. would like give me like a screenshot of their face for like 10 seconds, and then they like take a lap around the house and be like, "Bye, I'm out." Like, oh my god. <laughs> crafty little bastards and like and this Good is and i tried to get really creative we had dance party breaks we okay had camera off breaks uh-huh. we had snack breaks we did read alouds online i was able to project films and i'm like dude you do not need to go take a lap around your house right now stay put but yeah. like there's nothing I, I mean i so what so what i told you to stay in your seat there's nothing i can do right yeah. i can't come through the screen and grab you <laughs> There was a, when, when this all first started, we did a, a couple mindfulness talks for a friend of ours down. Uh, she's a um, school teacher in Olympia. Yes. <clears throat> and so we, we, uh, Monica and I talked to, um, uh, fifth, sixth and seventh graders separately, okay. you know, and, uh, and it was great. It was very interesting. And it was, yeah, like I said, it was, it was, I think April or May right after the pandemic started. So it was like, why are we even going back to school for a little bit of time? Right. Like a lot of the teachers were trying to figure it out, but yes. But, you know, so, yeah, so Mon and I got in there and we did a couple talks and uh, there was one, uh, God, I think it was the older group, so probably the seventh, eighth, eighth graders that um, they were, uh, they were the more, more non-attentive, right? They, uh, they, they, most of them had their screens turned off, <clears throat> but there was one kid that the screen picture that he had for his, his, his screensaver picture was apparently it was another teacher in his school that he caught uh, took a picture of in the middle of a sneeze. And so this woman was middle sneeze and nobody looks what we would consider no. attractive in the middle yeah, of a sneeze. No. You know, you're kind of horse faced, your yeah. eyes are squinted, your head's cocked back, teeth are blaring out. Oh, no. And that was the, the, his home picture. Oh God. <laughs> and so we got to Monica and I got to sit there and listen to Whitney talk to this, this child about like how, you know, not, you know, not trying to just wag the finger and, and, and make them feel horrible, but it was like, you know, how would you feel if this was you out there, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And like, it was just interesting to, to hear the disciplinary actions from, from a right. Zoom teacher to a Zoom student, whereas before it would have just been like, hey, get up here, you little shit, you know, whatever it was. And then, you know, you're in trouble, go sit back down. But now it was like, okay, well, you have the ability to just disconnect if you want to. Right. So how do I get this message across to you uh, without, you know, triggering that response? you can still hear even if you're not accepting it right, right away but at least you're still here right, right? so yeah i can only yeah. imagine the the ongoing uh, shenanigans that, that kept yeah <laughs> you know they <laughs> yeah yeah i saw there was there were a couple of students that i saw their ceilings more than i saw their faces okay but in all in all honesty they did a really good job 
They did a really good job. I mean, this this was really hard. Yeah. Um, and you know, we just ended school on Monday, mm-hmm. so and you know, what do normal teachers do after they end school? They take a two day math training for ten hours on Zoom. That's what this girl oh, did. Yay. Wow, good for you. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I was thinking that there I'm never going to have the bandwidth for it, so I might as well do it now. Yeah, you're running the zone. But what kind of math? Um. We have a new math curriculum that we're adopting oh. called um, Ill- Ill- Illustrative Math. Okay. And it's um, it's way more skills-based than target-based okay. as far as, like, <clears throat> it has the global target of it, but it is also really about creating routines and, and thinking processes to address all math. Okay. So, you know, and really it's from a super open container of like noticing and wondering what, and there's no right or wrong answers. Okay. Just looking like at a, at a bar graph, noticing and wondering, no wrong, no wrong answers. What Hmm. do you notice? Okay. And just being able to generate that confidence. And then from that really global process, then starting to really get more deducive and Mm -hmm. really get into the math, but it's a very, um, interesting dance yeah and so yeah that that was but like i will say the first day after school i definitely felt a little ptsd okay like realizing we had a parade for the end of our year and it was you know we drive drive through the neighborhoods and and i'm like you know that's that's how i met most of my students is from the inside of my car wow on the parade route wow and it hit me you know i i did um some rewards where I drop things off at school and the kids who, who got their rewards for like reading or integrity or citizenship, they got to come and give me air fives. Oh, sweet. And so I got to see them face to face or yeah. masked face to face, but it's not the same. And so I was like thinking just the, the levity of what we did for the last 15 months yeah. where, you know, we got the, we got the news. You have 40, 48 hours to get your classroom ready. And then went into lockdown and I was in complete denial. Yeah. Like last March, I was in complete denial. Like I had <laughs> kids that were already coming to school masked. Wow. And thinking like, oh, it's not going to get to that point. Yeah. And that's me. Like, right. Right. I was, I was, I shared that. I was like, nah, we're not going to, it was like, you know, and, I, and no offense to anybody's political beliefs, but it was like when Donald Trump got elected president, I was like, no, there's the, I remember talking to the yoga studio owner at the time uh, over at B1, Elena. I went in there before the election was announced and I've, you know, I've been teaching all day and she was like, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. And then I get home like, oh fuck, man, that just happened. That just happened. <laughs> that just happened. So yeah, I had that same, that same understanding I with no COVID. Idea. I was like, nah, we're not going to get there. I had no idea. <laughs> and then, you know, going from that in person to, I had one 10 hour day on zoom Yeah. and then it was, it was launch. Wow. You're, you're going. Wow. And not not really, and like so, just feeling like the reverberation mm-hmm. of that last fifteen months. Wow, going like okay, and we're now right at the point where it would be pretty easy to put on those blinders and be like, "Oh, we're totally fine." It's like right. it's like COVID never happened. Yeah, definitely. Except for the fact that it did. Yeah, and no. Yeah. And like, there's so many beautiful lessons that we have taken away or that have the ability to learn from this situation yes. that we're in. Yes, it was shitty. Yes, it sucked that a lot of people died. Yes, it's fucking horrible, uh, the, the state of the, the, that it put humanity in. Yes. But 
I think there's so many beautiful lessons to be learned from a situation like this. Like we were all forced to slow down. We were yes. all forced to look at what our racial understandings are. We we're all forced to look at what our social understandings are. Um, we just, there was a, a lot of amazing opportunities to slow down, look at your family and say, Hey, how long has it been since I have actually had a conversation with my kids? Yes. You know, seeing my wife, seeing my, my husband, seeing my partner for whatever they are, you know? That is so poignant and that, and truthfully, like, you know, both my parents, my, my mom, my stepdad got COVID, hmm. um, and it, it scared the crap out of both of them. And right. my mom is, has been a longtime smoker okay. and, um, has quit, but has some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, in her lungs. And so, it, I mean, they, they got, my mom got hit hard, my stepdad, not so much, but okay. like. For me to be here and then be in Los Angeles and me not be able mm. to do anything, yeah. you know, there is so much learning yeah. and so much growth because I had to say, okay, if, if things get worse and we're in this place, I want you to know now how I feel about you. Right. I yeah. want you to feel it in your bones. Yeah. I want you to be able to be so clear so that no matter what happens, you know where I'm at. Right. And I learned so much about myself. Mm. You know, Max and I had a conversation about busyness, about just um, the nature of of social busyness, of the automaticity of social busyness. Of I'm doing this because everybody else is doing Uh this, because if I don't do this and everybody else is doing this, then I'm not going to get to see so-and-so. Right. And if I don't get to see so-and-so on this one time, it's never, I'm never going to see them again. Right. Yeah. (laughs) How much, yeah, how much emphasis we put in our cultural norms. You know, and I mean, really reflecting. So so Max and I both were at home. Hmm. And he's now permanently at home for Boeing. Boeing okay. basically is having him work remote indefinitely. Beautiful. And one of the cool things about Max is like, our house is 1,400 square feet. We don't have a ton of space, mm-hmm. but it felt like we weren't in the same house. Okay. The way that we kind of ebb and flowed around our energy. It really didn't feel like we were tripping over each other. We never got tired of each other's space or energy. And it was like really lovely. I actually have more feelings about going back into the classroom yeah. <laughs> and being gone for eight to 10 hours a day <clears throat> than I do worrying about like, where am I going to Zoom tomorrow? Right. Um, I didn't realize just how busy I was. I didn't realize just how much I had filled things in with extraneous things mm-hmm. and with with gobs of people. Right. Whereas I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was around large crowds of people Hmm. to the point where I can actually think about going into, I don't know where, wherever I was. And there's like four different conversations going and I feel like I'm (laughs) whack-a-mole with the conversations, but I can't ever be here because I get overwhelmed. And that I've always contained, like kind of coined that my social anxiety, it's not I don't like that. Yeah. That's not how I operate. And yet that's how I've operated because I've convinced myself that if I didn't do that, I would be missing out on some epic thing that's never going to happen right, again. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, man, I, I struggle with what I call social anxiety. And, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm coming to grips with understanding that it's not social anxiety. Um, I think part of it is my... Uh, lack of desire to have surface level conversations. Yes. I'm so sick of, Hey, what's up? How are you? How are the kids? What's been going on? Cool. That's great. Works fine. Awesome. Good to see you. Bye. 
cool, right? Um, I definitely want to know how people are doing. Definitely want to check in. But how's your fucking heart? Yeah. You know, what's going on with your soul? Like, let's talk about some cool, deep shit, right? Here's this, uh, you know what? I, I eavesdropped on a conversation I had with myself in my head the other day, and I couldn't understand the words that were happening. Let's talk about that weird shit, right? Yeah. I, you know, so like part of it for me is it's just I don't want, I, I mean, the transactional relationships I'm done with. Yeah. You know, hey, cool. What's up? You know, that, say, I shouldn't say that. So at your grocery store, your local grocery clerk, your, your gas station attendant, your fucking your server at the restaurant. Yeah. Be fucking cool with that person. Talk to them. Earnestly ask how they're doing and ask them how they're feeling. Yes. Expect the answer. If they say, you know what? I'm having a shitty day. Cool. How can I hold space for you? Right? Yes. Those are transactional relationships and conversations that can have depth that can just be surface level, but they can have meaning to them. Right? That's fine. Yeah, those are great. But if we're at a party where we're hanging out, where you're coming over to my house, we're doing something like I want to talk to you as a human being and like find out what the fuck's going on with you as a human being. If I ask you how you're doing, it's not transactional. I yes. honestly want to know. Like yes. if you say, you know what, Adam, I'm having a pretty shitty day and this is the reason why we're going to fucking pull up a chair and a cup of coffee and we're going to talk about that. Yes. Shit. Like, let's do that. Let's carve out an hour of our day to talk about how you actually feel. Yes. You know, so I think that's where I'm at with social things, what I call social anxiety. It's just my lack of desire to have bullshit conversations. Yeah. And I, I deeply revere that. I love that. I think that the one of the biggest gifts is really shown me who I am and who I'm not mm. in in connections and allowing for for me to have solitude. You know, one of the things um, growing up, especially as an only kid, is mm -hmm. that, you know, Jennifer, you got to get out there. You got to make friends, you know, and I loved, I, I loved to be by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, you got to get up by at a decent hour. You can't wear your jammies or your sweats all day. <laughs> and you've got to be around people. You've got to go make some friends. You've got to, you've got to do something. You've got to have an agenda. Mm. And, and I can distinctly remember what, I, what really like filled my soul was to get up get a jar of Laura Scudder's peanut butter because my mom wouldn't buy any other peanut butter and a spoon, <laughs> get my book and just sit and be able to be in my own space. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, and I don't even know if, if this was actually said to me directly or just my interpretation, I felt shame about that. Oh. Like that I wasn't allowed to do that. It wasn't okay to be by yourself. Yeah. You needed to be around friends. Right. Because if you weren't around friends, you were a loser. Mm. And, I, I, yeah, I can relate to that. And so with with COVID and not being able to be around people, I realized not only had I neglected my relationship with myself, mm -hmm. I really like being by myself. I really like my own energy. Right. I really and I and I desperately needed <clears throat> to recharge. And I've always known that I needed it to recharge. But the only time in the last, I don't know, probably twenty years with the exception of the last year and a half that I've ever done that is when I've gotten sick mm -hmm. and I was forced to, Right. you know, if, and if I'm really transparent, I've gone in places. I've definitely worked sick. I've taken classes sick. Mm -hmm. I've taught classes sick Yep. instead of saying proactively, you know, the 48 hours before I got sick, because we all know when yeah, it's you, happening. You feel it. Yeah. You feel it coming. I'm going to, I'm going to take some space for myself. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor myself. I'm going to rest. Mm -hmm. This last year and a half, I mean, I haven't been sick in almost two years. Yeah. And that's historical. That's like a Christmas miracle yeah. in, with somebody that has what I have. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for me to be able to now 
no, like it is okay for me to say no to any social engagement Mm -hmm. and know that that's, that it's not going to be forever. I'm not saying no forever. I'm saying no today Mm -hmm. so that I can nourish my spirit so that I can take care of myself. And the majority of people that I know definitely want me to take care of myself. Yes. You know, um, there are, there might be a couple of, of, people here and there that may not understand mm-hmm. and and that's okay. Yeah. But I didn't I was working the opposite way. I was working from I'm going to give everything to the people who I think matter to the most to me and not have anything for myself thinking that they're going to give that to me somewhere. Right. Yeah. And then when it didn't happen, I got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Oh, that's not their job. That's my fucking job. Right. That's my lesson to do. That's yeah. on me. That's not on anybody else. So this has been, it's been weird. It's been difficult. It's been empathic. It's been heavy, mm-hmm. but it's been such a transformative time yeah. for me to be able to realize who I am and what my path is on this planet Yeah, for this life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it really did coincide really, uh, um, really well with my removing myself from restaurants, yes. <clears throat> which is my, my corporate gig for 20 plus years. Yes. And, uh, and I'd been, I'd, I'd been removed for about a year and a half and, uh, but still struggling with my separation from my, my corporate job, my 401ks, my, all the things that we think in the West are important. And, uh, even though I still had a great job with B1 managing the studio and, and working with the, the team there. Um, there were still, <clears throat> you know, aspects that I was, that I was like, Are you sure this is what you want to do? Because right. you've worked for, you don't have insurance right now. When's the last time you put shoes on? You know, <laughs> corporate Adam was just like, <laughs> just belittling at this new Adam, you know? And, uh, but you know, so with, with, uh, with the, the slowdown, it, it gave me an opportunity to really just dive into why I kept this dialogue up with myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to your point saying about, you know, how we, we just, we find our ways to keep ourselves busy. That's all I was doing, you know? And even though I was transitioning out of restaurants to try to be more healthy in my life, I was still, as soon as I got out, I was packing that life in with esoteric things that I thought were healthy that ended up also just distracting me from the work I needed to do, you know? So yeah, the, the COVID times for me was... You know, I joke about it as my retirement, but, you know, it gave me an opportunity to to the freedom, you know, because everybody was doing it. It wasn't just me. It wasn't Adam feeling lazy because Adam took a sick day or Adam feeling lazy because Adam decided to, you know, take time for himself. The whole humanity. And that was what my ego needed was all of humanity to feel this, all of humanity to shut down so we could all feel okay to, to be put on the sidelines in a way. Yeah. And so with that time, I dove into meditation even deeper, um, chanting and mantras, uh, Reiki practice, sound, sound healing, and, and started to really unpack the human being that I wanted to be, not the human being I felt I needed to be. Yes. You know, and I think that that was the time that was the most precious for me that it gave me. And now I'm embracing of that human being. There's still a lot of work to be done. Um, but you know, the, the time that it's given me has given me that ability to cement that understanding too, Yes. you know, and not just let it be fleeting and be yes. like, okay, now get, you know, it's been a week now go back to your, like, like what a vacation would be. Right. Yes. And I'm not saying COVID was a vacation by any means. I'm just no. saying for like yes. time away. Yes. Right. Usually yes. like maybe we'll give ourselves a week, sometimes two weeks. If you're lucky and you have a decent job in the West, you can have two weeks off in a row and not feel like you're just going to just scramble for the, for one or two months coming back to work, right. catching up after all the shit that you've decided 
decided, you know, that you needed a break from that's waiting for you to come back so you could just drown again in all the bullshit, right? Right. The vicious fucking cycle that we're in. Right. So no, here you go. Here's an entire year and a half to find yourself, right? Yes. Fuck, man. Thank you. I'm sorry yes. for everybody that's that's had any kind of negative thing that's come from this. Um, and I'm not saying thank you to you. I'm saying thank you to the universe for giving Adam an opportunity to slow yes. down and to look at Adam in a way that Adam can now show up and be more uh, more beneficial to humanity in his own way. Yes. And really taking away the stigma, the connotation of what slowing down mm-hmm. in our culture is really about. Because, yeah. you know, resting my programming is, you know, resting is a sign of weakness. Right. You know, unless you're going full throttle, unless you've got your hustle on, mm-hmm. you're just a fucker. Yep. You know? Totally. And, you know, this, this, it, it, it initially pulled up a lot of things for me, you know, because growing up with the conditions that I've had, you know, I've, I've labeled myself, you know, if I can't do something, that must mean I'm weak or that must mean I'm less than. Mm. And when we first went into lockdown, that separation, not only am I not teaching students, children, the way that I am, I, I'm not teaching yoga the way that I normally could. And not realizing at the time that what that was happening was birthing an entirely different trajectory for myself. Right, right. You know, um, launching a place for me, like launching my yurt. My husband built me a yurt yes, in the right? backyard yeah. to be of service, you know, and and really like within that, that angsty PTSD feeling of like fight or flight or freezing, mm-hmm. really looking at myself as the Reiki practitioner that I got my certification for. Yeah, I really never. I mean, I can I can remember even in the in the Reiki certification classes that I held in studio. Mm-hmm. I've always said I feel much more of a metaphysician, and and at the time when we shut down my metaphysical background did not help me as much as my reiki background did mm. the metaphysics gave me the foundation the self healing was what helped me move through it right and not having any idea what was to come mm-hmm. not having any idea that that was a totally new calling and it was familiar but in a totally different light mm. i don't know that i would have gotten to that point if we didn't have what we had I'm right there with you. You know, yeah. To to know that I I have the power to to really facilitate and and expedite movement through the body of emotion mm. and really allowing for vitality and harmony to be rebalanced. I have that power to do. Mm-hmm. It's you know, um, and because I'm the conduit. It's not me, Jen. It's, exactly. It's that vessel yeah. of being a conduit. We all have that within holding us. The, holding the space so yes. the healing can happen. Um, yeah, because you, you gave uh, Monica and I a couple's Reiki treatment. I did. Right when all... Uh, I did. You know, not too On far Zoom. after all. That was fucking... That was such an uh, epic experience. Um, and uh, I'll just share a little bit from that. But we... we uh, it was a beautiful day. Gorgeous day. Yes. Kind of like today. And, uh, and Mon and I were out on the back patio... We had Jen set up on our laptop. We had our crystals out, all this cool stuff, you know, incense burning. And uh, and Jen, you know, just you, you put us in this beautiful space, right? And you had us lay down. You were, you were uh, uh, there was a meditation involved. But 
There was, uh, there was, a, yeah, I think it was during the meditation. There was a, definitely a part where you were speaking. I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but you were calling something in. And as you were, the wind started picking up and just this beautiful, like the, the flowers, the free flowers around started blowing around us, you know, and there was just like this, like leaves blowing and all this beautiful, like energy that's moving as you're saying, calling in this and calling in that and beautiful things, this, and I'm like, it's all working around us right now. <laughs> like, and it was, it was via zoom, yes. which, you know, a lot of us were like, well, can we do energy healing through zoom? Of course you can, because yes. energy just projects, you know, we don't have to have like, you don't have to be in front of me to no. feel the energies, yes. you know? So, you know, it was, it was those things that, you know, we needed, not needed, but, you know, it was nice to, to understand as this human form that the, the tools that we are working with are beneficial and are utilized yes. and can be, can be that beautiful thing that we can, that we can still convey that message from. Yes. So thank you for that, oh my gosh, <clears> for that message. Yes. But the, the, the treatment in general was just fucking awesome. It was oh so my beautiful. Gosh. That was, it was, I mean, I, I can just remember, like, I just seeing the colors around the two of you mm. and being able to, to witness that and break down those, that boundary of, it doesn't matter if you're over a screen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even matter if you're over the phone. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's the, it's the openness and intentionality of the purpose of what you're doing, knowing that you are a vessel of the universe to utilize and in the light, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that was trippy. Yeah. That was good stuff. <laughs> but you know, that's, those are, you know, those are those moments that, that, that helped me come to an understanding of what I wanted to do with my attunements. Yes. And, uh, you know, because I think similarly, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, when I got attuned, I, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. In the very beginning, it was, uh, you know, it was a, team building more or less, you know, couples building, you know, Monica yeah. wanted to do it and it's like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll do this together. Cool. Right. So we went Reiki one together and then Reiki one turned to Reiki two and then we went and got our masterships. And uh, even after the mastership, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but as, um, you know, as COVID started to, to creep in and we were locked down and, okay, looking at what I can do with my time. And okay, I have all this training that I've gotten. Uh, I was, you know, called to, to start to learn the I Ching. And so, okay, I'm learning the, the, you know, divination of the I Ching and, and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, you have all these things that, that are coalescing towards this beautiful thing that you've already learned. Mm -hmm. Why not start practicing that? Mm -hmm. And so like things like, you know, you giving us that Reiki session, having cool conversations with people and the time that was given to us, gave me that ability to finally say, okay, I feel comfortable that I want to hold space so humanity can start to heal. Yes. And uh, so again, thank you for that time to, to, to give me the understanding of what I need. Um, because I don't think with that, with, if I didn't have that time, I wouldn't be at the point I am right now. Yes. You know? Yes. I think I said more, more often than not, I felt like, um, it was a universal timeout. Like mother nature yeah. was like, and scene. Yep. Yeah. Right. You're just yeah. out. Like just, <laughs> You're just out. Yeah. And some really beautiful awarenesses happen for a lot of people. Some tragic awarenesses happen right. for many others. And, you know, I feel for myself, it's it's just about continuing the momentum of mm -hmm. being in the moment. Yeah. You know, whatever that moment is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. I don't I don't want to forget where I'm at right now. And, uh, the, the, um, and I understand people's wanting to quote unquote, go back to normal or whatever normalcy they had, you know, but, <clears throat> and I, and I think there's aspects of what we would consider normal that are, are definitely, you know, 
worth striving to get back, you know, and that's a subjective statement. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, you know, there's a lot to uh, that we could have learned and not go back to, right, you know, and embrace this newness that we're in, whether it's a new mentality, a new, uh, a new, uh, you know, realm of life that you're living in, whatever it is, but see why that's working for you now. Yes, you know, and you know, for me, what I've realized, too, is that I can survive on a lot less income than I thought I could. You know, and that for me is like, okay, so if I can survive on less income, then why am I filling myself with all this quote unquote work time to generate more income when I realize that I can survive on a smaller amount? Right. Right. I don't need all the monies. I don't need to hold on to the things. My bank account number is not written on my tombstone when I pass away. Right. Nobody fucking cares about that shit. Right. So if I'm amassing monies just to amass monies with the off chance that I'm creating a... Uh, a safety net for the potential of something happening down the road. That doesn't make sense to me anymore, right? Yes, plan for the future, have an understanding of what's going on in your life. But if your sole purpose is to just amass monies, because that's what we feel like we're meant to do is amass the monies, because that's what we see the Jeff Bezos of the world do, and all these people in powers do, is that have you asked yourself why you want to amass the monies, what you're going to do with those monies when you find it? Is Jeff Bezos actually a happy human being? Right. Trillions of dollars does not equate internal happiness. Right. And I'm not putting Jeff Bezos on blast. Not that he'd ever listen to this podcast in general. I don't know the guy. He he could be a nice guy. All I know is all the demonic shit that people write about him. Right. Yeah. But you know, the money doesn't make the happiness. And I know plenty of people that actually there's a, there's a beautiful story of a, um, uh, this uh, this reporter that went to a uh, what we would call an impoverished nation, right? Mm-hmm. Third world, uh, rising billions, I think is more the the correct term we're using now. So we have the rising billions nation, and this this reporter went to this this uh, this person's house that was notably living in what we would call poverty, and uh, but this this family welcomed this reporter in, open armed. Yes, come in, please be with us in our house. Uh, we're going to make you dinner. The father realized then that they didn't have enough food to feed this person. Oh my God. So they went to their neighbor's house. Their neighbor gave them food. They brought the food back and they made this meal for this guy. And this, this reporter is kind of putting this all together because he doesn't speak the language. But he finally realizes that this, this family is so impoverished that they don't have any money to feed them, even though that he said that he's going to feed them. They went to their neighbor's house, got him food, and are now still feeding this person. So now they've, they've basically indebted themselves to their neighbors so they can take care of this stranger. Yes. And they're doing it with a big smile on their face. They're telling him stories that he doesn't understand. They're embracing them with love that he feels, and he feels like part of their family. That is, they're giving from a place where they don't even have, yes. knowing that it's going to be okay. Yes. Knowing that it's it's that knowing with the G again, you yes. intrinsically know that you're doing the right thing. You're honoring your space. You're honoring humanity by helping when you can, knowing that it's going to come back to you in some kind of way, yes. you know, and that's that beauty that we, that you just give from that vessel that you have, Yes. you know? And so like, I look at times like that where I'm looking at like, man, how many times have I hidden the last piece of chocolate? I'm hiding the last piece of chocolate right now, motherfucker. (laughs) God, man, you know, it's when we could find that, just that, that overflowing vessel to just keep giving and giving and giving from when we don't even know where it's coming from. That's humanity. That's where that true humanity comes from. In my opinion. Yes, I agree. I agree because whatever is happening, they've already given to themselves. Yeah. So it's not at their expense. Right. There's, there's something deeper at play. 
I feel, yeah, I feel like in, in the culture where I live in and I've grown up in, that's, that's foreign. Yeah. It's, it's been a fight to have that awareness and have that relationship where I'm giving to myself. I'm filling my own cup to such a degree that it takes nothing for me to give to other people. Yeah. And even as I say that out loud, I feel a small sense of shame about the fact that there have been years of my life that I did not feel that way. Mm. And even more years of my life that it was flipped where I felt like I had to give to so many to be rewarded or to be worthy of something somehow. Whereas the worthiness comes from me. The worthiness comes from my, my time with me, my Mm -hmm. giving to myself, my nourishing myself, however that looks totally foreign concept. And that's only because, well, or maybe not, maybe I don't want to make that assumption. Could it possibly be because there's all this stuff around me all the time? Because hmm. that's the life I was born into, which is here in the United States where we are capitalists and consumers. Mm-hmm. And I, and you've seen me shop, Adam. You've seen <laughs> I have me. seen you shop. Yeah. You've seen me. I can go into studio you know, you know, and love I can come clothes. out with $400 later with 17 <laughs> pairs of leggings that I don't need. <laughs> You're welcome. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. and, and I mean, I, yeah. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, and it's, it, I think we have to embrace our culture to realize how it works and doesn't work, you know, and, and, and when we can, it's, it's like embracing your, your capital self, you yes. know, when we, when we finally find spirituality or religion or whatever it is to find how important you are as a human being, that capital S self you do realize how insignificant you are in a most beautiful way to feed the collective consciousness, yes. the Christ consciousness, the Buddhist in you, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, because we're all in this together. We're all fucking walking this path. We're yes. all learning and we all have our own ideas of how that learning is happening. hundred percent. So being that truth, being that honest with yourself, like finding the communities that challenge you that don't always just agree with you. Yes. You know, that's my favorite shit is whenever I'm talking to somebody and they're like, you know, I don't see it that way. I'm like, cool. Let's talk about that yes. because I'm not the smartest man in the world, you know, by far not. Right. <laughs> so let's chat about why you feel differently than I do. Yes. I love it. Yeah. So, I love it. Yeah. You know, I, so as we wrap this up, I, I think just, you know, we, we, we've learned a lot over these years from, uh, from our COVID times. But I think the biggest draw that I'm going to take away from from this conversation, but in general, is as the, the community that we need, mm-hmm. right? Finding your community and whatever that means to you. It's not always a yes man community. It can be a, it can be a, a dissonant community at mm-hmm. times, but still honorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but find that community that challenges you, that embraces you, but that you can talk freely with and not feel judged. Yes, that's my big thing. Yeah, like a lot of with this esoteric stuff that we're walking into, it's not a lot of it is accepted openly. Um, a lot of it is is uh, looked at as tongue in cheek. Uh, as the uh, hooey, you know, whatever it is, right? But you find your community to start to unpack that shit and then it might make sense to you in some kind of way. Yes. Yes. It, equally, it's such a deep intention for me to share and honor space for people to be their very best selves. Even if people being their very best selves isn't directly with me. Right. That's that inner Buddha, right? Yeah. When you look for the inner Buddha in somebody, and that's a phrase, you can call it Christ consciousness, whatever yes. it is, right? When you look for that in the person, it's not the Buddhist that you want to see them be. Right. It's the honor that they are. Yes. They are that person on their own path, yes. not the one that you wish they would walk. 
Yes. So when you can honestly look at a human being and you can see them trying their hardest, fucking up as massively as they yes. possibly do, but doing the best they can with the tools they have, yes. that is that Christ consciousness. That's that inner Buddha. That's that person that is doing what they know is best. I love it. Right? So draw that person, be with that person, hold space for that person, and let that person love and figure the fuck life out. Hell yes. Goddamn. Good to <laughs> fucking talk with you, Jen. Likewise, yes. my brother. Uh, love you. We'll love talk you. soon, love. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hit up the show notes if you're looking for anything that we talked about today that might have sparked an interest in you. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you like what we're doing and uh, and share it with a friend. Uh, create that community ourselves. So uh, thank you as always. Obeisance and love to you all. And see you next time.